All right, so my name is Joshua Deisinger, um, and I have grown up farming in Middle Tennessee. We have mostly done winter. Well, probably, I don't know about mostly, but we've done, we've been doing winter CSA and winter growing for the last, I don't know, 12 to 14 years. Um, and in the last three years, I have been doing it myself, and my parents have been doing doing the summer growing. So that's where I'm right now. Um, to start out on, the, on this session, I would just say that if you're interested in growing in the winter and if you're gonna be moving into that, I would highly encourage you to get Elliot Coleman's Winter Harvest book, which I'm sure we have um, at the at Agri table, but you know, we're not really going into the details today. We're talking about infrastructure mostly. So when it comes to temperatures and just real details on that, his book has all kind of charts and very helpful on the nitty gritty on winter growing. So we're just gonna mostly be talking about infrastructure today. We are talking about growing winter crops. We're not talking about extension for tomatoes and green beans and summer crops. So your crops in the winter are gonna be different than your crops in the summer. So that's just something to keep in mind with the, with the winter extension. It's not for summer crops. Um, and this is just a list of the sum of the winter crops is not an extensive list. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot that's not on there. Um, it has like kale, but the whole brassica family is pretty winter hardy. Um, and that also is something that the Elliott Coleman book will go into is crops in the winter. Um, I guess our not. Can you go back to that slide? So the, where it says the most difficult, lettuce, chard, radishes, turnips, carrots, um, you know, it is like more hardy and all, but even all of those, I'm growing all of those right now. Um, we had, two weeks ago, we had zero degree temperatures. Most things survived. Um, so they're more difficult, but they're still very winter hardy and great winter crops, um, whereas the most hardy, um, you know, spinach and kale will take it colder and is less, less to cover. So the first, the first layer of protection that we would use, the first infrastructure would be row covers. Um, and that's a very simple just floating row cover there's different thicknesses so the different the um, you know depending on your thickness would be dependent on your um, on your degrees of safety so it's going to be between three to eight degrees warmer under your cover depending on the thickness of your cover an, an additional cover is going to add more protection 
than your first cover added. So if your first cover is adding five degrees, your second cover is gonna add more than five degrees because of the air gap between your covers. So if you have, if you have a one ounce cover and you have two on top of each other, that's gonna offer more protection than a two ounce cover on its own. Doesn't work to say next line and change it. Because of the gap, the air gap, it's more of an insulation. So two ounces, if it's split into two one ounce covers, it's gonna be more protection than a two ounce cover. And the, one of the big challenges in the winter is that we've had is with fungus and mold and stuff in our area will be real damp all winter and so you you start getting just real issues our lettuce um, with downy mildew and that kind of stuff we can struggle a lot in the winter with that so the easiest way to combat that is to uncover every chance you get in the if you're inside a greenhouse if you're covering inside a greenhouse you want to uncover on almost every single sunny day whether it's 10 degrees outside it's going to be warm enough in your hoop house. And it's nice to have thermometers, you know, even if it's nothing fancy, just a little thermometer in your hoop house that you can see when it gets above freezing. But it's gonna get above freezing if the sun's shining, pretty much no matter the temperature outside. So as soon as it gets above freezing, you wanna uncover and let the sun dry out your, your plants. And then it also helps with heat through the next night. So if your ground is heating up by the sun throughout the day, then the, in the night you're gonna have that heat from the ground. Whereas if you're covered up, the sun's not really getting to the ground and you're not really creating that heat mass in the ground. If it's outside, you struggle more with um, uncovering because you can't really uncover if it's not gonna get above freezing. If you're, if you're multiple layers, then potentially you could uncover some of your layers and it's gonna let more sun in than. What keeps the space between the row covers? All right, the question was what keeps the space between the row covers? And for most questions, we wanna keep them to the end. So at the end of the, the class, we should have some time for questions. But on that, it's just, they're just light floating row covers and they're not just gonna to pack together. So they just, there's just always gonna be space between them. Yeah, if you have snow on them, you're gonna... Snow is actually a good insulation, but it keeps them... All right, so next slide. Quick hoops would be your, your next layer of protection. So we've got three different ways you can do quick hoops. The first would be a wire wicket, a small wire quick hoop. Um, it might sit... Uh, you know, 12, 12 inches, 16 inches off the ground. Um, and with quick hoops, the more, well, the more mass, the more area you have under your covers, the more area you're trying to heat. So ideally, you're gonna have your covers as close to your plants as possible, but if they're touching, if your covers are on top of your plants, your protection is gonna be less 
than if your covers are floating above your plants because the, the contact with the cover, there's not, it just doesn't do the same insulation. So it is ideal to have your covers above your plants, but you don't want them way above if you don't have to. So a small a wire hoop, and on the next slide I will have pictures of all these different, so the top right would be the wire, the wire hoops, um, just a thin wire. So that would be great for lettuce and stuff that is staying close to the ground that you don't need that height for. So the next hoop would be a conduit hoop. And there's a couple ways you can do it. The, the way that we've been doing it that is the most um, long-lasting is half-inch metal conduit with a bender. So in the bottom right, you can see um, that's a Johnny's bender. And I don't know how much they cost, but they're not real cheap. So you can make your own bender quite easily. You can see the top left picture is picture of somebody who made a bender. They just screwed a, a um, hoop shape of screws into like a plywood. And on the back side, you have to have something to hold against. So if you've got your, your screws, you have to have something to hold. So when you bend, your pipe isn't going to just, the other end's not just going to flick out. So I've, you know, there's that. I've seen just with blocks of like two by four, just screwed in like three places and just bend around that. There's different ways you can do it um, to make your own bender and not pay for that Johnny's bender. The other way that we have done the quick hoops is with a plastic conduit and then putting rebar in the ground and then you'd slide your plastic conduit on one side, bend it over and slide it on the other rebar, which um, is nice because then you don't have to have the bender. But we found that if it's really cold, they get pretty brittle and like hit them with your bin something and they can just snap um, very easily. And so they're not going to last quite as long. I don't know exactly the price difference between a metal and plastic conduit. I don't know if there's really that much difference. So the, the, the metal conduit is going to be a longer lasting resource. So with the row cover, we use sandbags to attach it down. People use many different things. We found sandbags to just be the easiest. Um, you can get from Farmer's Friend, you can get your sandbags and your row cover. Um, fill them up with sand, then you've got the tops you can hold to carry around. Some people use rocks and stuff, but it's just a pain to carry those kind of things around. On these, on these quick hoops, you can use plastic in addition. So we have, we have done it and it definitely is a greater barrier of protection. But in the winter, the other thing you have to really deal with is ventilation, you know, because it's just going to, condensation is going to build up and it's going to get a really damp environment. So it's, it's a good way to get an extra, a real extra layer of protection at nights. You could pull over a plastic 
um, and just attach it down the same way as you would the sandbags, I mean the uh, row cover with the sandbags. And we have had lettuce outside under these down to zero degrees with one row cover and one plastic um, with no damage. This last couple weeks ago, we've had, we had really, really cold temperatures at our place. I had lettuce outside um, and I had the quick hoops over it, the big quick hoops. And I had three row covers. Um, I would say 60% of the lettuce was fine. Um, there was places where the row cover had blown down and was kind of on the lettuce um, and that will give you real tip burn and stuff on your lettuce. So we had some issue with that and then also places where the wind was able to blow under the edges of the cover and then it'll kill a space. Um, so we definitely had some loss but it's amazing how cold you can go just outside with those covers. Um, and if it had all been, if it had been pulled tight everywhere and it had been attached to the ground everywhere with those three covers, it would have been fine at zero. So with the big, with the big hoops, um, your advantage is going to be you can cover a higher crop. You can cover kale. You can cover, you know, celery, fennel, things that go higher. And you can cover two beds at a time. So our hoops are like these 70 some inches wide to cover two beds in a pathway. So they're less that you have to put in um, and they're going to cover more. But then the disadvantage would be that you have more um, space that you're trying to heat in that. And so just some, some other statistic things that we've, we've had on our farm um, this winter with the, with the covering. I have carrots outside. I had two, two row covers on those carrots and we had down to zero. Carrots were fine. Um, inside hoop houses, I had inside large hoop houses, I had um, one row cover and on lettuce and it was fine. So with a big hoop house, one row cover on the lettuce and we stayed above, above a temperature that would have killed that on our, our general um, rule of thumb when it comes to covering our crops in the winter is that for most, most of our winter crops, we try and keep everything above 25 or so. And different crops are different and that's something that the winter harvest handbook is going to go into more on each crop, resistance on each crop and stuff like that. But as a rule of thumb, we'll look at the weather. If we feel like it's going to be below 25, everything will be covered. And we try to cover um, early enough in the day that 
we're going to catch heat under those covers. So if you're covering as the sun's going down, it's already 35 degrees, your covers aren't going to give the protection that they could have. If you'd covered when the sun was out, it might have been, you know, 45, it'll heat up underneath there and it will trap the heat and give you more heat throughout the night. Um, one other thing, I, well, just, you know, just on, on that note, it's, it's good to cover when you still have heat, but sometimes in the, in the colder, colder days, like by the time the sun comes up and you are trying to dry your stuff out, you uncover, you've got not very long and you should be covering back up. So kind of have to work with it on both ends to, you know, make, make that work. So, Jonathan's not here. Any, I'll take questions now. I was, Jonathan is going to go into um, bigger infrastructure beyond the quick coops. So I will just take some time now and do questions on what I've talked about, and then he can start and... Yes. You had mentioned multiple layers um, before the coverage. What is your criteria for determining when you're going to need more than one layer? So the question is with multiple layers, um, what is our determining on when we're going to add more layers? Um, and that would go along with what I said as far as the, the um, temperature, trying to keep things above 25. So if we're, if we're calling for 20 to 25, we'd put that one layer on. And if our one layer of protection is going to give us five degrees, then if it's looking like it's gonna be getting below 20, then we might pull on another cover. And that cover is going to possibly give, you know, more, more protection. So then it might be, if it's gonna be below 10, then we'll pull on that third cover. Um, so going off those kind of things, and when you, when you know your you know, your cover weight and how much protection you feel like that's going to bring, then you can kind of, and then in, in um, Elliot Coleman's book, he goes a lot more into the different layers and the amount of protection that each additional layer is going to give you. So you can just kind of go off of those things to, you know, figure out your temperature's looking like this. I need, you know, two layers tonight. Um, and one thing also that it's really crucial to have on farm thermometer you know we've got we've got our weather for our area but we are in a valley we've got hills all around us and we are in a real frost pocket so if it's calling for 20 degrees we are we are covering for 10 degrees because we've seen multiple times 10 degrees colder than than um they're calling for. And also other things that you're going to look, look at is if it's supposed to be clear, it's going to be colder. If it's going to be cloudy, then 
it's not going to drop as cold. And that actually might be more just for our area because of how things settle down in the valley. But I think overall, on the clear, another question? Okay, so this is a good question. On the speed of the crops growing in the winter, how do we space things out? Um, and I would meant to say something about that, so I'm glad you brought it up. You want to, when you go to plant for your winter garden, you want to look at your days to maturity on your seed packet, and then you want things at least three quarter percent mature by the, is it the, winter solstice with the when the uh, no not that but when the when the day length when the sunlight length gets under 10 hours they say when it's under 10 hours then all of your crops need to be up to three quarter percent um mature and then they will kind of just slowly grow and hold through your winter season so depending on where you are that date is going to be different but once you're to Less than 10 days. All right, there. Question? You were talking about multiple row covers. So the question is with multiple row covers, are we just putting them directly on top of each other? And the answer would be yes. Um, there's not really a good way to get spacing in between that. So you're going to put down your row cover, and you want it tight so that it's not on your plants, but if you have it like super tight, and then you lay your next one on there super tight, they're gonna to be together. Yeah. So if you have a little bit of, of dip between your, between your hoops, and then you put your next one on, you might pull your next one a little tighter, then you're gonna have that air gap. Um, so you are looking to have a bit of a gap between your covers, but we don't put anything to make that. We just try and the, um, the question is, how do we store it? Um, how many seasons will it last? And what, what uh, product, what type will last the longest? Um, Jonathan has done more, he sells the row cover, and so he's done more research on um, different brands. I'm not sure which one, which one are you selling? Grow, grow guard. Um, so if you go on Farmer's Friend website, they're going to have all the the row covers. Um, and I'm not sure if he's got different weights, but look into that. As far as storing, it's a pain to store, and we really don't have um, the greatest um, storage method. We just fold them up in the in the uh, spring once we know we're not going to have any more frosts and just put them in our barn and if you have if you have um if all your fields and everything is going to be the same pretty simple because um you just grab your row cover pull it out but if you've got like different you know trying to mark each one as far as the size and all it can be a pain um but we've just we've just folded it up other people will um if they have a a hoop house, a greenhouse, they'll put it like over the the um, 
purlins in their greenhouse, hang it up. Um, some people have said they've had a lot of issue with mice and rats eating their cover. We store ours in our barn and we really haven't had that much issue. So I guess it just depends on what. How many seasons does it last? How many seasons does it last? Um, I would, I mean, it lasts pretty, pretty long. I would say five seasons if you, if it's taken care of good. I mean, we use it once it has holes in it, um, especially for a second cover, it's fine. Um, to have a few holes once it starts getting ripped up real bad, then we'll either cut it for a smaller, if it's one of our big fields, we'll cut the end off of it that's getting messed up and use it for a smaller field. But I would say probably five years would be what it's well taken care of. For sure. So the question is, does row cover have less of a problem overheating than the clear plastic when you have your, you know, a real cold night and then very sunny day? Definitely, it's much more breathable, so it's not going to just heat up like your plastic is going to, and then you're also not going to get the condensation and everything inside like you would on with a clear plastic. So it's definitely more breathable and it will not heat up as much during the day when it's sunny. And if you can uncover when you have real sun, like I said, definitely you should do that. You know, I don't, okay, the question was what weight were we using when it was, um, when we had one row cover in plastic and it was zero. I, I can't even say on that. My dad was just, was just saying that I should, it was something that, that we haven't used plastic in many years and it's been a few years since we were toying with plastic. But 1.2 ounce would be most of our cover, so I would guess it would be something, something similar to that. But it was years when since that happened, um, so I couldn't say the exact weight. But 1.2 ounce would be our standard weight. Uh, you mentioned before about for the winter crops growth. So the question was on the what I had said on the. Um, growing of the plants to get them to three quarter percent by less than 10 days, um, 75%. So you want, you know, if, if, your, if your growth is gonna be, you know, if it's a 40 day crop, you're gonna want it to be 30 day, planted 30 days before your less than 10 day, less than 10 hour day. Um, and then that, you know, those are for your crops that you're wanting to hold through the winter. Obviously you have to think about, you know, if you're doing a CSA and you're wanting crops every week, then you have to be, you know, thinking about that. So you're gonna be planting earlier your crops that you're wanting, you know, the week after your days drop below 10 hours. But it's, it would just be, after that, anything that you're wanting to hold through your winter 
is just not going to grow very fast. So that's just a general rule of thumb to have all your winter crops to 75% growth by the time your day length drops below 10 hours. All right, I'm going to take one more question and then Jonathan will... Okay, the question is on soil moisture when the row covers are on and whether we water, whether we pull them off to water, stuff like that. Um, definitely the row covers are breathable and it's going to depend on your weight, but you know, our row covers are pretty breathable, but they're still going to be, they're still going to stay damp underneath more than you know, it would without the cover. And for, for watering, if we're doing any overhead watering, definitely you're gonna pull them off to water. You also gotta, you have to think about your watering when you water. So if you're gonna have a warm day, you wanna water as early as you can so that you have time for your plants, the actual plant to kind of dry out before the night. Because if you water and then pull your cover over in the evening, your plants and your ground's all gonna be wet, and then if it drops below, you're gonna have your plants actually freezing more than they would with, uh, you know, if the plant had had some time to dry out. So Jonathan will talk about caterpillar tunnels and larger hoop houses, and then we may have more time for questions. So my name's, my name's Jonathan Dysinger and Joshua's brother. I grew up on the farm as well and uh, escaped about five and a half years ago and started a business called Farmer's Friend. Um, I'm just kidding. It's, it was a good way to grow up and I do miss it some days, every once in a while. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna talk about caterpillar tunnels mostly so this is kind of the next step up from the the quick hoops um quick hoops are going to be you know th about three feet tall the caterpillar tunnels are about just under our our tunnels are just under eight feet so it's a comfortable height so you can walk through um and they're they're pretty versatile they're so they're basically the the most affordable like entry level high tunnel so they definitely would fall in in a high tunnel category um but they're they're really simple to, to assemble and um, pretty versatile structure. So um, I just had a couple pictures in here. We've had customers use them for all kinds of different things like um, a seed house. Uh, you know, we, we have one customer that, that started growing microgreens and they start their business, you know, doing microgreens in the tunnel in their backyard and uh, growing them and harvesting and selling them. And it's just a really affordable infrastructure to get set up with. So um, we have a lot of people using them for flowers. They work great for that. Um, let's see, this was pretty neat. We had one customer that they were doing a farm to table dinner and it, they had rain forecasted. So they, they set up their, their tables underneath one of our tunnels and strung some lights and it looked really cool after dark. Um, so you can also use them for trellising, um, stuff like cucumbers and tomatoes in. The structure is strong enough, especially if you put a, a solid steel purling down the center, similar to the one, if I don't know if you, any of you guys have looked at the tunnel we have set up outside. Um, 
we put a, a solid purling down the center and that will keep all the bows really rigid and so then you can hang your trellising wires from the bows and it'll hold up to you know three rows of trellis tomatoes without a problem now i would definitely recommend doing like a single liter trellising um, so you don't end up with just a massive like bush of tomatoes you want you want it to be kind of pruned also, if you put three rows in there and you don't trellis them really good, it's going to be, uh, you're not going to have any room to walk. The whole thing will just be filled up. Um, so, like I mentioned, they're about eight feet tall. Ours are 14 feet wide. And the reason for 14 feet is because you can get four 30-inch beds in it very comfortably with 12-inch um, pathways. And then you even have a little bit of room on the side for tucking row covers in because you're still, if you're in a really cold area, going to want to use stuff like row covers underneath the tunnel to give you more protection. Um, so you can put like those little wire hoops over your beds and then pull your row covers over, um, over the tunnels. Um, also, they hold up to snow pretty good. So um, this, was, this was actually, we had some people that have, they've kind of collapsed um, under snow. But this person, I don't remember exactly where this farm is, Moose Meadow Farm, but um, they got 38 inches of snow um, while they were on vacation. They came home to 38 inches of snow and uh, their tunnels were still standing. Um, so that's, you know, for those who live in places where you get a lot of snow, that's important. It can be a big problem. Um, and the only thing that they did to this tunnel um, that's different from our current standard Caterpillar tunnel that we sell is they added that solid steel purling down the center. And that, that kept the whole structure a lot more stable. Um, so if you're in a place where you get a lot of wind or snow, you definitely want to think about putting that solid purling down the center to keep all your bows tied together. And then also I'd recommend like the corner wind bracing, which you can also see on the one we have set up outside. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about just how to build these, because it's a really simple structure. A lot of people build them themselves. Um, and so we were going to try to play a little video, and I can kind of narrate along with it. Did we get that set up, Nick? Um, it's just like a time-lapse video that we did of uh, assembling a tunnel. Yeah, so this was at Rose Creek Farm um, last year, I guess. So what you do starting out is you you pound in rebar stakes that the bows sit over. So you, the bows are every five feet. So you just run out a tape measure, pound in your, your rebar every five feet down the length of the tunnel. Um, and then the bows come in three different sections. You kind of screw the, the bow sections together and then just set them over top of the, the rebar. Uh, just drop them down over top. You have to get your rebar down to between like 12 and 16 inches sticking out of the ground or else the bows won't slide over all the way. Um, once you get the bows all set up, you have to put in your purling, which on this one we were just using our, our purling strap, which is just a one inch um, fabric strap. And you just wrap it around each bow as you go down and then pull it tight on the ends with some um, cinch straps. And then you can run the plastic, you know, roll the plastic out on the side, slide it over the top, um, and then you pull it tight from, from each end and tie it off to like a, a, a T-post um, there's a few different ways that you can do that, but traditionally it's you, you just use a like two T-posts right next to each other and you bunch the plastic up, slide it between the two T-posts and then uh, kind of tie it up tight with, with some rope. Um, so then once you get it all tight and the plastic on, you have a roll of rope that you just 
um, kind of weave it back and forth over the tunnel and then cinch the rope tight and that holds the plastic down. So it's, it's a, a lot simpler than, um, than a, like a permanent structure, um, but it's a lot, you know, a lot more affordable and if you need to take it down and move it, that's fairly easy to do as well. So like I said, a lot of people build these themselves. Um, have we got an, another shot, it looks like here. So yeah, a lot of people build it themselves. The, the pipe that we use is basically just um, galvanized one and three eighths inch um, pipe that you can buy at Lowe's and Home Depot. It's, it's like a chain link fence top rail is what it's called. Um, and you can buy a 10 foot section for, you know, around like $11, I think, 11 or $12. Um, and there's some resources. Um, Johnny's Selected Seeds has um, a spreadsheet that they, that they put together where you can basically go in, let's see, if, like the top corner here, um, you can just put in the length of the tunnel that you want and the spacing between your bows, um, and it calculates everything that you need. So you can see, you know, it, um, the 10 foot lengths of bows from Home Depot, you need 42 of them. Um, you have to buy the bender from them because they come straight and then you have to bend it. So that's, that's quite a bit of time that's consumed there. But then they just go down through the list, all the different things you need, and it, it calculates based on how long your tunnel you want, um, calculates everything that you need and gives you basically a, a shopping list. So the, the thing that we came to at Farmer's Friend is the reality that for a customer to build this, um, they're saying, you know, and this is, this is all based on, you know, the pricing of supplies that you have available, but roughly $1,600. Um, now, that does include you purchasing the Quick Hoops bender from them. Um, now, if the bender was like $1,000 and your actual material cost was like 600 and you were planning on making like four or five of these, you'd probably come out way ahead in the long run, but the reality is that bender's only $59. Um, and so you've got, you know, Fifteen or uh, you know, fifteen hundred and fifty dollars in material cost um, to build this yourself, plus a lot of labor. So we started looking at it and saying, well, you know, we could probably um, put a kit together and, and sell them for less than that. Um, and and the other downside to this is that you can see here it's twelve foot wide. Um, the the pipes that are readily available at you know. Lowe's or Home Depot or like if you have a, a fencing supply company are going to be most likely 10 foot sections. So they're taking two 10 foot sections, bending them, and it makes a 12 foot wide tunnel. Um, and, and the downside to that is you can't get four beds. You're only going to get three beds in there. Um, well, you could get four beds, but you wouldn't have any place to walk. Um, so that really is kind of a, a downside because um, you're, you're, you know, 25% less production than if you had a 14-foot tunnel that you could do four beds in. So um, bottom line is you can, you can build them yourself, but we sell the, that tunnel right there, 100-foot tunnel, for $1,300. Um, so, and, and it comes with everything you need um, to, you know, assemble it. It comes with the plastic instructions. We have videos on how to put it all together. 
Um, and so we felt like that's a win-win for, for everybody. Like we're making money selling them, the customers are saving money, and uh, we've had a lot of positive feedback from it because people are, you know, saying, hey, I didn't even have to take one trip to the hardware store to put up my tunnels, you know, and that's kind of, for a DIY project, you're probably gonna spend, you know, hours driving back and forth to, oh, I forgot this, I forgot that, you know. So just a little a plug for, for our tunnels, I guess. <laughs> I'm, you know, this, I'm using this as a, a, a marketing opportunity, but, um, but it's a, it is a pretty good way to get into winter production with these Caterpillar tunnels. And so, um, no, so he, he has a question here with our tunnels, do they come pre-bent or you have to bend it? Everything's pre-bent. So, um, yeah, you don't, you're not bending, you're not doing anything. Um, pretty much everything comes, you just slide the you just slide the pipes together, screw them, screw them, you know, screw the joints together, and and put it up. Um, you know, I have seen people who maybe had access to really cheap supplies, and they were able to, you know, build them themselves um, for less. But for the most part, you're going to end up spending more trying to put it together yourself. Um, so, let's see, oh yeah, this is this is their bender. So you just mount it to. Um, like a, a picnic table or some sort of sturdy surface. I think they also have like a, uh, a hitch mount where you can like put it in, you know, your car truck hitch or something and, and bend them. But uh, it's, it's, it takes a lot of time and it's tricky to get them straight. They end up getting kind of like squirrely on you if you don't have a lot of experience. Um, but it's definitely an option. So, you know, that's what I'm trying to do is just kind of show you all the different options and you can decide whether you want to spend $1,600 and make it yourself or buy a kit for $1,300. <laughs> it's galvanized, yep. The pipe is galvanized and uh, it, it lasts forever. You know, the plastic will wear out over time, but uh, the pipe is not going to wear out. Um, okay, you had a question? He was asking, do you deliver it and I had a question. What was that? Oh, do we deliver them? Uh, no. Well, I mean, it depends on where you are. We ship them um, by by freight, and and it's fairly reasonable. If you buy two tunnels or more, we ship it to you for free. It's just one, you know, you pay the shipping. Um, but depending on where, you know, we'd be happy to give you a quote or something. Um, so then, you know, after Caterpillar tunnels, you're you're looking at more of a permanent uh, greenhouse structure. And I didn't really prepare. I probably should have maybe got a little more information together on that because it's probably going to be a lot of questions. I'm happy to answer questions, you know, as we get closer to the end. But um, permanent greenhouse structures are great, and it really depends on, uh, you know, it depends on what your what your goal is. Like if you just want a, a really nice permanent structure that you can walk in and out of all the time, just open a door, uh, super easy. It's going to be really sturdy. Um, it's it's really nice, and if you're if you're if winter production is your business, at some point you're probably going to want to invest in in permanent structures. And there's tons of different companies that make them. Um, we get most of our tunnels from Scenic Acres. Uh, it's a Amish guy in in Kentucky that that makes them. Um, but there's also like Rimmel Greenhouse. There's lots of different companies that make them. Um, but the reality is you're going to end up spending, you know, a lot more money. So um, our tunnels come out to about 92 cents a square foot for, for covered space. Um, if you buy a tunnel, I didn't calculate exact, you know, footage, but you're going to probably spend, um, we have some 30 by, 
96 tunnels that I, you know, I think they end up costing us around 10,000 um, for the whole tunnel. So, you know, essentially two of these would give you about the same amount of covered space for you know, 2,600. So it's probably gonna run like 25% the cost of uh, permanent structures. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they can't, I'll just, maybe I just mention some of the downsides to the Caterpillar tunnels. Um, just the, the standard basic Caterpillar tunnel doesn't have an end wall. Like you saw in the video, the, the plastic just kind of tapers down in the end like kind of a Tootsie Roll and you tie it off. So the only way to get in and out of it is from the sides. Or you kind of come to the corner, you lift the plastic up because the ropes are holding tension on it, it'll kind of stay up. And then in our kits, we also have these little wire um, side curtain hook things that, that hold the, uh, the plastic up. So you can just set it up and then you duck under the corner. Um, but you know, the downside to it, I guess, is that, it, you know, you do have to lift the plastic up on the side to get in and out. And then when you go to vent it, you have to walk down the whole length of the plastic, um, lifting it up to, to get ventilation in there, rather than just standing on one end and cranking, you know, a crank and it lifts the whole side up. Um, so that can be one downside. Also, you know, it's not as sturdy of a structure um, as a like permanent greenhouse, maybe that you have posts cemented into the ground, and so you can end up with um, issues with, you know, wind. Although um, we've had customers that have reported, you know, withstanding 70 mile an hour winds, and uh, I have a friend in Oklahoma, um, Luke, Luke Fisher, who had a bunch of caterpillar tunnels, a bunch of high tunnels, and they had a big windstorm come through, and and he lost his high tunnels, but his caterpillar tunnels were fine. So um, they do hold up to wind pretty well, but but you do have to keep the the plastic held tight. If it gets, starts getting loose, then it'll it'll start blowing it around. Um, so I guess for the last like five minutes, we can just do questions if if we have any questions. Um, right back here. Yeah. So with the caterpillar tunnels, it's not a. There's no automatic ventilation. Um, you know, you could. So and what we're working on right now is is taking our our basic structure and and putting together a bunch of accessories so where people could take our basic structure and do more of a permanent end wall. And if you were going to do that, you could frame in a vent. And there's, there's ways to, um, to automatically vent, but, um, but with, our, with the basic Caterpillar tunnel that most people would be referring to, there's not an automatic venting. You'd have to be there to be, to be lifting the plastic. Okay. Um, yeah, the question was, how do you anchor the sides of the plastic to keep them from creeping up if the wind's blowing? Um, so we've seen some people use um, like sandbags, just kind of pull the plastic down a little bit on the edge and put the sandbags on. Um, can be a little bit of an issue because our plastic, there's really not a lot of extra on the side. So it might be a situation where you'd need a little bit more plastic to, uh, you know, to sandbag if you were having that issue. But generally, it seems like uh, if the plastic, we've seen it, if the plastic's creeping up on the side, um, maybe the, the ropes aren't tight enough. The other thing that you can do, if you feel like your whole plastic is shifting over to one side, because we've seen that too, like if the wind's blowing this direction, the whole plastic can tend to just shift over to one side. Um, real easy fix for that is just take an eight foot section of wiggle wire channel and, and attach it to the, the last bow on either end. Um, and then just center your plastic up really nicely and wiggle wire right in the top. And that's just gonna keep the plastic from shifting at all. It's gonna lock it in right, right centered and you won't have an issue with it sliding from one side so to the other. What is that? Where do you 
we sell it, um, and we're going to be putting it on this tunnel out here. So um, we're probably uh, um, what's that? Yeah, wiggle wire is what it's called. Um, we we sell it, and like I said, we're going to be putting it on this tunnel probably right before lunch. So if if you all are interested, you can come see that. Okay, we got a question right here. Yeah, go for it. Well, so if you already had a greenhouse, like, or, or you had the money for a greenhouse, I wouldn't necessarily use this to replace it. It's just that this is about 25% the price of greenhouse space. So it's just a, a really simple, like, entry-level um, structure. So. Yeah, yeah, very similar results. It's just, you know, maybe a greenhouse, there might it'd be a little easier to get the same results. But, I mean, in the end, the results are going to be the same. question. Uh, well, if you, if you had the plastic lifted up, okay, the question, i got to remember to repeat the questions. The question was, can critters get get underneath the edges? Um, so if if you had the plastic lifted up to vent it, yeah, you're, you know, it's it's an open door. Anybody can go in. Potentially, yeah, potentially. Yeah, but, you know, you could, you could put a sandbags on it, and then they wouldn't be able to get in. But probably you're going to want to have more of a... a you know, fence around your garden in general. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get a higher sidewalk. Exactly. How much higher is that going to get you? Okay, so the question is, uh, you know, we use typically rebar, but we do have an option that we're uh, putting on the market now where you can have a like a, a post, a ground post. So the ground posts are four feet tall. Um, and so you could get yourself, I, you probably want to, pound them in at least two feet, um, two feet or more, but you could get yourself up to two feet of additional height. So, and the, they're swedged on the top so your bows can slide over them. Um, so, you know, that puts your, your height close to, uh, you know, 10 feet in the center. So. Okay, so the question is, when the ropes that hold the plastic down, what holds it at the ground level? So you pound your, your rebar into the ground, and then we have these little anchor plates um, that slide over the rebar, and, and the anchor plate has a carabiner on the, on the bottom, so that as you loop it down, you're just clipping it into the carabiner, and then it goes back to the other side and, uh, and keeps it down. So if the plastic, if wind comes along and the plastic starts to lift, it lifts up on all those ropes and, and locks those anchor plates onto the, the rebar. Um, so if it blows away, it has to pull the rebar out of the ground. So any other question? Yes? Yeah. Uh, if you're going to bend it yourself, uh, the, well, the question is the, the gauge type and or the gauge size and and grade of the tubing um, if you go to Lowe's and get it you're just going to be getting cheap Chinese manufactured uh, material and it's kind of hit or miss to what I've seen a lot of people like you know it, it bends differently like Johnny's was Johnny's selected seeds was doing some experiments with a tight bent ridge um, piece and it would be like um, they'd, they'd cut it at a certain length and they'd go to bend it. They'd bend a few just fine, and the next one would just crimp. And, and you know, so there's, there can be some problems if you just buy um, readily available pipe because it's going to be just a cheap grade. Ours is 17-gauge um, pipe, and it's, it's just going to be a little bit higher quality. So, yes? Yeah. Well, actually, um, I... Ours are pretty much identical bend on all of them, but the, but there is an easy way. Like the the center bow um, doesn't have the swedge on either side, and then the the side pieces are are swedged on the top end, so they slide into the center. 
So yeah, the, the question, just to repeat it after the fact, and it's kind of stupid, but um, was what is the, you know, how do you tell between the center and the side pieces as we have a three-piece three bow? Yes? Have you, is there anything like that out Insulated plastic. <laughs> um, the only thing that I know of is some, a product that Johnny's just started selling this year. Um, and I, it comes from Europe somewhere, but it's a, uh, it's a plastic that's, it's kind of like a bubble. It looks like bubble wrap. It's just really heavy duty, um, but it, it's, it's two layers, um, kind of like a, a polycarbonate type stuff. But, um, but it, so I haven't seen it. In, well, actually, I have seen it in person, but I don't really know. It's really, really expensive. Um, so you can do something like that, and it gives you a lot more insulation factor, but um, it's definitely a new technology here in the U.S. that I haven't seen a whole lot. Yeah. I've seen those plastic. Right, exactly. So the question was, uh, or kind of just making a point that um, with the end walls, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. So, um, yeah, that's what's called a scissor door, and we are, um, you know, going to be offering that as an, as an option. Basically, with that, the thing is you have to have wind bracing on your last bow so that um, that bow is supported, and then um, you can wiggle wire your plastic and pull it tight to the other end and then the, everything stays tight there and then you just your center purlin you'd extend it out maybe six inches out the end of your tunnel and then you have a couple uh pipes with like a brace uh clamp that would clamp over that purling and that kind of gives you a, a scissor like hinging action and then your plastic comes in on the ends and and attaches to those two poles drop down in the center and it kind of opens up you know the end really easily like that so that's definitely an option too um, so uh, maybe we should just wrap we'll just close up um, the course for those who need to jump over to another class but I'll be sticking around Joshua will probably stick around and anybody else who has questions can just come up to the front so appreciate y'all coming this media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.